Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. <laughs> Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris and Mop Master dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Many, many miles east of nowhere lies the amazing land of Oz, a magnificent empire created in the mind of a man who wrote a great book about it. Like wildfire in the wheat field, the fabulous tale of the Wizard of Oz spread from town to city to nation to the entire world. If I were just somebody who sat at home and watched the Wizard of Oz for my own pleasure and heard the legends, I would say, well, gee, maybe those are true. Gosh, did that really happen? So today's story begins in the year 1900, and that is the year that writer Lyman Frank Baum got his big break in the literary sphere with his publication of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, a children's novel about a farm girl named Dorothy who ends up in the magical land of Oz after she and her pet dog Toto get swept away in their home in Kansas by a tornado. The story was super successful and it would soon become part of a 14-book series. So it was no surprise that movie-making powerhouse MGM bought the rights to adapt it to screen in 1938. The 30s were a bad time for everyone, okay? The world was slowly recovering from the devastating depression after the 1929 crash and another world war was looming on the horizon. Hollywood was also in turmoil. The crash left people destitute, so the droves of moviegoers of the 1920s were nowhere to be seen. On top of that, movies with sound, or talkies as they called them, weren't quite the smash hit that everybody thought they would be. So every movie mogul was looking for a new story that was going to lift the spirits of the people and make them millions. The Wizard of Oz was first released in 1939, and it was considered a critical success. It was nominated for six Academy Awards, winning two. Uh, It won for Best Original Song for Somewhere Over the Rainbow, and best original score. The film featured lavish sets, a massive, massive cast. And of course, it was shot in Technicolor, which it was one of the first films to do this, especially to this level. All of the expense basically meant that the film, although it was well-loved and it was a critical success, it failed to make a profit for MGM. It earned only $3 million on a $2.7 million budget, which was absolutely huge for 1938. And so The Wizard of Oz was born, a film we all know and love. In fact, it was, according to the US Library of Congress, the most seen film in cinema history. But did you know that the film's production 
was riddled with scandal, even alleged abuse. This is the dark and twisted story behind The Wizard of Oz. So this week we are revisiting two episodes of mine. So my series on dark Hollywood and movie curses and conspiracies, which you can find over on my Patreon. Before we get going, whether you're watching on YouTube or Spotify or listening on your regular old podcast app, make sure to follow, subscribe and give me five-star review or thumbs up the video. It really, really helps the video reach more people and it helps the podcast grow. So if you could do that now, I'll give you a few seconds. So The Wizard of Oz is obviously no stranger to conspiracy and crazy fan theories, all of which we're going to be speaking about at the end of the episode. It wouldn't be an episode of Red Room if I didn't go into the conspiratorial area of things. But the film also experienced a lot of roadblocks in the way, so much so that people seem to think that the entire movie is cursed. It had a lengthy production of 15 months really, really long, obviously making it, as we said, one of the most expensive movies, if not the most expensive movie at the time to be made. Everything from the casting, the wardrobe, the makeup, the screenplay, the actual shooting of the film seemed to run into constant issues. And these were not normal issues. These were, in some cases, almost fatal. We're going to get into them all today, so secure the tinfoil hats and let's dive in. So casting Dorothy was, of course, extremely important. So she was not only the protagonist of the story and a well-known protagonist at that. Remember, this book, uh, this series of books were super popular by the 30s. It even had a Broadway adaptation. So people were well familiar with the role of Dorothy. But she was also a character who was going to exemplify innocence and be the all-American teenage girl. Casting directors at MGM initially were gunning to have the one and only Miss Shirley Temple play the role. Now, we've done a whole episode on Shirley Temple, and if you listened, you'll remember that she was Hollywood's number one box office draw between the years of 1934 to 1938. She was making the box office millions. You could not get a dud Shirley Temple role at this stage. But as she became a tween and a little bit older and less known for her little kind of baby-like looks, people started to get less and less interested in her. They also knew that The Wizard of Oz at this stage was going to be a musical and it was going to need a female protagonist who could carry the vocals. And that is when they looked to no other than Judy Garland. Judy Garland at the time was signed to MGM, but she was signed almost purely because of her voice. Judy Garland's voice is, I mean, obviously so famous and so well known. But after this episode, I will say, go back and listen to Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Her voice is just like butter. It is incredible. And it's also quite shocking seeing such a such a well-refined voice coming out of such a young girl. So you can really see why they wanted Judy Garland to play this role. Judy, though, on the other hand, was ridiculed at MGM. She was constantly called ugly and referred to as a pig in pigtails. And 
Judy, when she was younger in the run-up to this, was allegedly given a Hollywood makeover of sorts. They capped her teeth. They made her wear rubber inserts in her nostrils to change the shape of her nostrils. They made her wear corsets to try and manipulate the shape of her waist. They were rigorous on her and they were really, really cruel to how she looked. And even before her Hollywood makeover, like you can look up pictures of her. She was a perfectly normal looking young woman. So it kind of blows my mind the amount uh, that they, the, the, the lengths that they went to try and change her. And I could only imagine being told these things as a 14, 15 year old girl. She was 16 when they were filming The Wizard of Oz. And this was well and truly you know, put into her psyche. Studio chief of MGM, Louis B. Meyer, was also only allowing Judy to eat a diet of chicken soup, lettuce, black coffee and cigarettes at the time, uh, supplemented by diet pills whenever she got hungry. There was rumours that, you know, when she was off this diet, they had to refit her dresses for The Wizard of Oz. So by the time, and although it's not 100% confirmed, by the time The Wizard of Oz was filming, it is thought that she was on heavy doses of diet pills and an extremely restrictive diet. So the Tin Man, the character who needed a heart, was originally cast as Buddy Ebsen. And Buddy Ebsen was actually originally cast as the Scarecrow, but they changed it to the Tin Man right before filming. So they were already kind of in a bit of a shit show. But since the movie was going to be shot in colour, the makeup team needed to find a way to have the silver Tin Man look like tin. So they painted him with a concoction consisting of aluminium powder. Like, what? I mean, I don't have to tell you, there was way less restrictions on what you could and could not do in a professional capacity, but that went all the way down to makeup. So this looked the part. In fact, it looked incredible on, on camera, okay? But... They were filming and one night Buddy Epson went home, he went to sleep after a long day's work and he was awoken in the middle of the night with severe cramps all down his arms, all down his legs and he was noticing it was extremely difficult to breathe. He was rushed to hospital and the doctors found that the aluminium powder had coated his lungs and he was poisoned. He had only been filming The Wizard of Oz for nine days and he was hospitalized and had to spend two weeks in an oxygen tent due to the aluminium in his makeup. Instead of being sympathetic though, the studio demanded he return to work and when he knew he couldn't, the studio just replaced him flat out. They were like, we're not waiting for you babes, we have to film this movie and they replaced him with Jack Haley who is the tin man that we all know and love. So by the time Jack Haley came around, they basically decided to stop using the aluminium powder and they used a different makeup, not made with pure aluminium. But it was said that Haley did suffer from severe eye infections throughout the whole production due to the products that they used to paint him. So he did not escape injury, but it wasn't as bad, thankfully, as Buddy Epson's. My favourite character of The Wizard of Oz is the Wicked Witch. I mean... Such an iconic role and such an amazing reference point to what a witch is. I mean, I think most of us who would have dressed up as a witch when we were going for Halloween costumes when we were younger 
we kind of based it on the Wicked Witch, you know? And this was a role that was also recast. So they originally cast Gail Sondergaard and she was an Oscar winner. She was originally offered the iconic role of the Wicked Witch of the West and she accepted it. So at the time, MGM planned on the Wicked Witch to be kind of more based on what we would know as the, the evil queen in Snow White. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs by Walt Disney was a huge success at the time, right? Right, Made right before, re- released, should I say, right before The Wizard of so they were they were planning on you know adapting this kind of wicked witch glamorous uh beautiful witch but evil inside and that's kind of what the wicked witch was going to look like but they kind of decided against it at the last minute they actually decided ah no we're gonna paint her green and we're gonna make her ugly and this is when gail sondergaard was like peace out she thought it would be really bad for her career and her image and she bounced. And this is when the role was then given to Margaret Hamilton, who was painted head to toe in the now iconic bright green makeup. And the fo- there actually is a really funny clip of Margaret Hamilton talking about getting offered this role, and I'll insert it here. He said, uh, they're sort of interested in you uh, for a part in The Wizard of Oz. And I said, oh, gosh, think of that. I said, I loved that story from the time I was four years old. What is it? And he said... Well, the witch. And I said, the witch? And he said, then he said the final thing. He said, yes, what else? So back to how she looked. I mean, take a look at how green this makeup was. It was fluorescent. And the makeup was actually also, unsurprisingly, extremely toxic. It was laced with copper. And after every day of shooting, she had to ensure that every last scrap of makeup was removed from her skin to avoid another hospital stay like the Tin Man. But unfortunately, Miss Hamilton did not escape injury. When she was filming a scene where the witch disappears, the effects crew decided to use real fire and a trapdoor failed which she was meant to fall down leaving margaret in place when her broom caught a light now the makeup she was wearing was also highly flammable and within seconds she was covered in flames she suffered severe burns on her face and hands her eyelashes and eyebrows on her right eye were completely burned off after this happened the movie studio didn't even send her home or to a hospital and her friend had to come and pick her up the studio called her the next day wondering why she wasn't on set and she had to be like uh chat member i'm burned and it took her six weeks to recover when she returned to set she had to wear green gloves instead of the green makeup because her hands were pretty much open wounds the nerves in her hands were still exposed completely due to how severe the burns were she said i won't sue because i know how this business works and i would never work again i will return to work in one condition no more firework Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. But if that wasn't bad enough or cursed enough, depending on how you want to look at it, her stunt double also caught fire. Her name was Betty Danko and she was severely burned when she sat on a smoking pipe meant to look like the witch's broomstick. And she spent 11 days in hospital and resulted in permanent leg scarring. There were plenty of other disasters and hazards on set making The Wizard of Oz. There's lots of accounts of the actors kind of recalling how strenuous and grueling the makeup and hair routine was. So Ray Bulger played the scarecrow and if you remember his costume it looked like he was covered in kind of burlap sacks but he was actually covered in one burlap sack that was molded to his face and everything else was hand painted on. So this was a really lengthy process but he said the sack actually stopped the air circulating anywhere around his face and he said like this is when you realise how much your skin needs to breathe. Because his skin stopped breathing and he was sweating underneath this burlap sack. In fact, he said that he felt like he was suffocating most days. And the characters couldn't take their costumes off halfway through the day when they weren't filming because of how long and how rigorously grueling the hair and makeup routine was. So Bert Lahr, who played the cowardly lion... His experience wasn't much better. So his costume, if you can remember it, I mean, it was pretty impressive. It was made out of 100% real line fur pelts. Now, line fur has a very specific fur pattern. And in order to avoid continuity errors, they kept Lar in this costume all day, supplying only a single backup costume as well. Now, the suit weighed almost 40 kilos and the lighting used at the time was notoriously really really strong like you will always hear accounts of back in the day in old Hollywood like the heat of these lights and he said that he sweat so much when he would take the costume off it would be almost soaking wet and he'd have to put the same costume on the next day. But it wasn't just the hair, the makeup and the wardrobe that was causing a lot of problems or illnesses to some of the cast. Some of the set design and prop design was also highly toxic, but due to the time, they probably didn't know it. In the famous scene where they all fall asleep in the poppy field and it begins to snow, the set designers used asbestos powder to fake snow. And there's a lot of scenes where Dorothy is getting these, like, you know, Judy Garland's getting these close-ups on her face as she sleeps, and they're just sprinkling asbestos on the poor thing's face. There's an urban legend that many of you probably heard that one of the munchkins hung himself on set. And it does look like it when you look at the the clips that have circulated around YouTube. But apparently this has been completely disproven and it's just a trick of the eye with, I believe it was an ostrich or a peacock that was on set and it passes through one of the trees. 
So a lot of the kind of negative stories that we get from the set of Wizard of Oz comes from Judy Garland herself. Going back to her, like there's a lot of rumours surrounding how the Wizard of Oz, the set was extremely toxic and how it did affect Judy in her later life. And there's no doubt that Judy Garland lived a very tragic life. You know, she was subject to genuine torture by MGM and pretty much spoon fed a drug addiction from her early years, which ultimately killed her. So there's no denying that the movie industry and her getting involved in it as a young teenager and how they treated her affected her. No question about it. But there have been long-standing rumours about the director and Judy Garland having a very tumultuous relationship. Apparently, he even went so far as hitting her across the face on the set. And it was all because she couldn't remember her lines and she started nervously giggling as any teenage girl or any person does when they get a little bit awkward or embarrassed. And he ran up to her and smacked her across the face. Then there's the interviews that Judy did in later years about the film. And here are a few examples of that. How about The Wizard of Oz? Well, uh, uh, we were... <laughs> we were... Oh, I love her. <laughs> I had to work with three very professional, very professional men, you know, Jack Haley and, and Bert Lauer and Ray Bolger. And they had so much makeup on, you know, then one was a tin man and one was a scarecrow and one was a cowardly lion. And they were so busy complaining about their makeups and each one was was uh, making bets as to which makeup was the most difficult. And they all gained weight all the way through the picture, you know, and they all pretended. They just, uh, but whenever we do that little dance up the yellow brick road. Yeah, I remember that. I was supposed to be with them. Yeah. You know. They crouched. They'd shut me out. I, they'd close in in the three of them and I would be in back of them dancing. <laughs> and I was, and I, I wasn't, I wasn't good enough, you know, to say, wait a minute. Now, and so the director, Victor Fleming, was darling man. He was always up on a boom. Would say, hold it. You three dirty hands, let that little girl in there. <laughs> The, the munchkins. Yeah, how about the, the oh. what? <laughs> the munch, the munch, munchkins. 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 Yeah. Well, how, what, what the munchkins do? Well, they were, they were drunk. They were a little drunk. <laughs> What they do, what they do. What do they do? The, what the dwarfs do. But one of them, uh, who was about 40, uh, a gentleman asked me for dinner. Then we have accounts from Liza saying this. She had a way of telling a story. She could change anything. So anything that she talked about would become an epic joke, almost. And she did that several times, telling stories about the Wizard of Oz. And they have since passed into a myth. I mean, they really, people believe a lot of the things that she has told, which in fact, we know are not true. Now, that being said, there is evidence that some of what Judy is alleging did happen. One of her five husbands, Sidney Luft, recalled in his memoir, sexual assault that took place on set by the Munchkins. He said, they thought they could get away with anything because they were so small. They would make Judy's life miserable on set by putting their hands under her dress. These men were 40 years or more old. And then there's the account of sexual abuse and harassment on the 16-year-old Judy at the time from Gerald Clark's biography. He says, Between the ages of 16 and 20, 
Judy herself was to be approached for sex and approached again and again. Don't think they all didn't try, she said. Top of the list was Mayer himself. Whenever he complimented her on her voice, she sang from her heart, he said. Mayer would invariably place his hand on her left breast to show just where her heart was. I often thought I was lucky, observed Judy, that I didn't sing with another part of my anatomy. That scenario, a compliment followed by a grope, was repeated many times until grown up at last, Judy put a stop to it. Mr. Mayor, don't you ever do that again, she finally had the courage to say, I just will not stand for it. Apparently after this, he broke down in tears and professed his love to her, despite also having a reputation as being a complete bully to her, calling her a pig with pigtails and putting her on this rigorous diet to keep her dangerously underweight. This man clearly has issues, as do a lot of the producers in Hollywood, as we all know now. So finally, let's get to what I love to do, which is the section of the podcast where we get to put on our tinfoil hats and kind of dive deep into the conspiracy theories. I love a good conspiracy theory surrounding a movie because they're not too serious. A lot of them are fan theories and you can just kind of get a little bit lost in them. So, you know, remove all expectations and let's indulge in these. Number one theory is that deep down, The Wizard of Oz is a feminist story. So let's look at it this way. Everyone in The Wizard of Oz who possesses power is a woman. Dorothy, the Wicked Witch of the West, Glinda, they're all women. Whereas the male characters in The Wizard of Oz, especially when we get to Oz, all have a major character flaw. The Scarecrow doesn't have a brain. The Tin Man doesn't have a heart. The Lion lacks courage. And the Wizard is like the Emperor's new clothes. He doesn't have any powers. Now, People could say this is a bit of a stretch, because remember, this was written in the 1900s. But Baum, who is the author, his mother-in-law was an influential suffragist. He himself was the secretary at his local women's suffrage club, and he edited a newspaper that highlighted women's crusades. So this theory could be true. Did he lace this story with underlying radical feminist ideology to influence people for years to come? Theory number two is that Dorothy is the Wicked Witch of the East. So we all remember at the start of Wizard of Oz, her house comes crashing down and lands on the Wicked Witch of the East. We never see the Wicked Witch of the East's face. All we ever see are her feet clad in the ruby slippers. Now, every major figure that Dorothy meets in Oz has a parallel somewhere in the real world. The field hands are her travel companions, the scarecrow, the lion and the tin man. The Wicked Witch of the West is Mrs. Gulch. I mean, this constant overlaps. And although some people do say it's because she's in this dreamlike state and you only dream of people you know in real life, it is important to note that Dorothy herself doesn't have a counterpart. There's someone in Oz that has Dorothy's exact shoe size though, and she's crushed on her arrival. This theory originates from Reddit, as almost all good theories too, especially when it comes to movie theories. The people on Reddit, you know, they have some time to kill and I love reading their theories. But they basically lay out that 
because we don't see Dorothy's face could be because she might have had to die for Dorothy to have an existence in Oz. And this creates a paradox. The final theory is my favorite and definitely the most famous theory. And that is the dark side of the rainbow. So this is less of a conspiracy theory and more of um, synchronicities. We've likely all heard of it, and that is that when you play Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon alongside The Wizard of Oz, they seem to pair up. There's a lot of synchronicities and that it's kind of spooky. And the theory is that Pink Floyd wrote The Dark Side of the Moon to do this specifically. So let's run through some of these synchronicities. There are so many more, but these are some that are pretty crazy when you see them happen. So when Pink Floyd's song On The Run plays, Dorothy starts to sing Over The Rainbow, which at first obviously doesn't really seem that crazy until you realize that they have the same initials, On The Run, Over The Rainbow. When the great gig in the sky plays, the tornado hits Kansas and we all know what happens then. Their house gets sucked up into the sky and she goes to Oz. When the film goes into colour, Pink Floyd's money kicks in. And there was actually an old saying in Hollywood that money is in colour. A really creepy one in my opinion, and I think this was the first one that I saw when I was a teenager way back when, is during Breathe reprise, Dorothy wakes up right on time when they start to sing Home, Home Again. Now, Pink Floyd have denied flat out for years that there is any correlation between The Wizard of Oz and Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, Drummer Nick Mason said to MTV in 1997, it's absolute nonsense. It has nothing to do with The Wizard of Oz. We based it all on The Sound of Music. So guys, that is the end of this week's episode. You can let me know if I missed any of your favorite conspiracies to do with The Wizard of Oz. Let me know in the comments on YouTube or if you're on Spotify, you can scroll down and you can leave me a message there. I'll be back next week with another episode of Red Room. Make sure to hit subscribe if you haven't already so you don't miss it. I'll see you all very soon. Bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.